0: What is happening Welcome back to your favorite podcast, the Gord Podcast. I'm with just Malian. I am joined by a very special guest, my personal chiropractor and great friend, Dr. Hugh Hunger. It's been way too long without him being on the God Pod, but today we changed that. And you guys are in for a freaking treat. We, we talk a ton about the brain and how it operates in regards to our activity, the mental and spiritual operations. You guys are going to love this episode, packed with value. Make sure you leave us a five-star rating. Make sure you leave us a review, and make sure you subscribe to the YouTube after this one because there is much, much more coming from myself and Hugh. Get your notepads ready. I'll see you inside. Doctor Hugh Hunger. Why well, do I always want to say your name like that? I don't know because do you it know, makes it exciting. Y- you know, um, like what I think about is um, Captain Jack Sparrow.
1: Yeah, I usually do the walk and everything. Oh, do you really? Absolutely. I haven't
0: seen that side of you yet. Nah.
1: Well, it's because I, you've only seen me in the
0: clip. Yeah, I haven't seen the Johnny Depp side. <laughs> That's not true. I saw you fucked up. La, <laughs> la Pisciana. We went and had some mars. That was a good time. I was like walking home. I was like, oh, damn, i little tipsy. <laughs> well, it was a good time. That was I a know. good time. You found out that I was a lightweight. Fajitas. A la Piscina. La Pisciana. Piscina. Piscina. Yeah, that means pool in Spanish. Did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> That's correct. Yeah, if you're ever in Austin, and you're looking for like, honestly, those were the best fajitas I've ever had. They were damn good. Yeah, me and Austin went there. They were fire, dude. Um, it's funny, actually, I actually haven't been back. That's like my spot. I go and I get like the redfish tacos. It's like I love, dude, I love redfish. Well, it a thing where I'm from. Like, oh. redfish, red salmon. Like, where I'm from, you have, like, you know, shitty salmon and, like, shitty cod. Like, it's fucking Ohio. <laughs> like, we have, like, kind of seafood. <laughs> oh,
1: I'm from Houston, so I, I can't really contest to that. We just have yeah. gulf. Yeah. And we pretend <laughs> yeah. it's the sea.
0: <laughs> yeah, you pretend that it's acceptable. <laughs> yeah. So you're from Houston, and you decided to be a chiropractor. That's correct. Why did you want to be a chiropractor?
1: Um, Well, because I started my journey yeah. wanting to be a pharmacist. Okay. Realized I didn't want to be... In a lab all day?
0: Yeah, that doesn't sound too fun. No. Being a pharmacist? That doesn't yeah. sound too fun. I mean,
1: you can play with chemicals and stuff, but Do outside they? of that.
0: Do they? Yeah, I don't know. It just doesn't, like, you, I feel like you're a consumer-facing person because you're very social. Yep, that's and what I, I feel found like. Out. Yeah, I feel like, uh, you know, the pharmacists I know, not that I know millions of them, but I know a handful of pharmacists, and they're much more introverted in nature. Yep. And I think you get, like, a rise out of the... Consumer facing, helping people face dude, to face.
1: I like being face to face. It definitely, um, whew, at times, it can
0: exhaust me. Oh, dude, I bet. Yeah, yeah. Like on, um, is it? Yeah, Mondays when you come to my house and like Mondays kind of your travel day. Mm-hmm. So you're like out of the clinic on Mondays. You're going to people's homes most of the day and stuff. It seems like you're busy. Oh yeah, like, I am. You know, I am yeah. on the go. Like, that is awesome.
1: I have specific times set for each patient. Yep. Yep. Each time, I even have travel
0: time scheduled yep. in. Yep. Do you prefer? In the clinic or on the go?
1: Um, Half and half, actually. Both of them give me a different insight into what the patient is and what the patient wants.
0: Of course. Who's your favorite client? I'm just kidding. (laughs) We all know it's me. Duh. I can't tell you that. (laughs) I can't tell you that. There's lots of people fighting (laughs) for that position. (laughs) It's not a fight. They don't want this smoke. (laughs) Best part of your job, like at the end of the day, you lay down at night and you're like, oh, man. This was really, really, I, I really nailed it with this today. Like, what would it be? Is it fixing people? Is it like, like, do you get a high off like feeling the cracks or hearing the cracks or like the response? i like, what gets you going?
1: So all of that. Yeah. Um. I wouldn't be a good chiropractor if I didn't like the pops. Yeah. You know, I just, I get in there and yeah. that's practically a secondary effect of the treatment. Okay. okay. But I still love hearing them. Yeah. Because yeah. if, if it's not there, there's a part of me that just dies yeah. and you're like, I really yeah. want The pop. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But at the end of the day, when I lay down, it's practically just if I have a day full of people leaving my office with like either their face is satisfied or their body and they tell me and they're just like, I feel better, doc.
0: What causes the pop? What is that? The pop is
1: um, the fancy term is tribonucleation.
0: I can't spell that. That's fair. It's, it's, (laughs) um, I mean,
1: it used to be... um, A cavitation. Okay. But we found out through an MRI, a uh, movement MRI, that when they did pure distraction on one of the knuckle joints, it it is kind of like the uh, how they say that a bubble is popping inside the joint. But what happens is actually nitrogen gas gets pulled out of solution. Okay. And then that gas, after um, you create extra force, implodes on itself. Okay. And that's the pop.
0: Interesting.
1: So it's a vacuum that gets formed and
0: implodes on itself. So every time it, there's a pub, there's a there's gas being released. Technically. What it, happens to that gas? Um uh, it gets put back into solution. Interesting.
1: Into like the synovial fluid and, yeah. and the gags inside. Synovial fluid is
0: like joint lubrication and things like that? Yes. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So how does that form? How does that vacuum form? So it's
1: the same idea if you have two surfaces okay. that are um, that have surface tension okay. because uh, there's a viscous fluid in between them. If okay. you pull them apart, but there's yep. no uh, change in volume or yep. any kind of anything like that, that's where that that vacuum
0: forms. Okay, so for a majority of individuals, like what is causing that pull apart of the like uh, we're talking about joints, obviously like in your figure. Yep. You, you every time you come over, you like hit my fingers. Yep. Right. Or my, or my toes, one of them. Mm-hmm. What's what's what calls, what? Do, what do I do? Or is it just being a human being and going about life and you grip things and you set them down and you're using it? Is it just from movement, or is there something that we do that stresses it to cause that, or is it both?
1: So this is I love that you're already yeah diving deep into this question. Yeah. So. Um, If you're talking about the restriction that happens, think of it as two tectonic plates. Okay. And um, as they come together, they hit a little bit of friction. Yeah. That friction can be caused by everyday activities. It can be caused by – you can have neurologic inhibitions. Okay. Where your brain just thinks something is there, so it's restricting the tissue, and then the tissue adapts to the restriction. Um, And from there, I come in, and as I do an adjustment – Yep. Um, considered an hvla which is high velocity low amplitude okay i put it in there those tectonic plates go from a friction position and they quickly shift that quick
0: shift is what causes that vacuum interesting Mm -hmm. okay our brain protects us quite heavily from a ton but from would you say that it's oftentimes protecting us from something that's like not even really there is it protecting us from a previous trauma that's not currently existing, but is trying to prevent that trauma from existing in our current state?
1: Man, you are going right in my wheelhouse. Right this into is, your wheelhouse. Is, all right. So this is lovely. So um, a few things can happen yeah. neurologically. Okay. And the first one is, of course, it protects against a trauma that is there. And okay. there's a few ways that it can do that. It depends on the individual and the strategy that happens. Okay. And the body adapts differently to um, an injury. And that injury can be considered, you know, um, an actual uh, trauma, like like rolling an ankle or anything like that. Okay. Or the body notices that it's not able to move in a certain pattern due to inside of that joint, it hits a, a catch. Okay. And that catch then sends a signal to the brain and the brain looks at that catch and says, I don't like that. We're gonna shut it
0: down. Uh, so it feels a little bit of resistance, and it's said, like, no, no, like, no, no. Let's let's protect ourselves. Yep. It's interesting, you know. Like psychologically, it does that. Yeah. Physiologically, obviously, it does yep. that. Um, you know, there's there's not a lot of data to support this, but spiritually, I think it does that. You know, a, a little bit as well. It's fascinating. It's fascinating because something that you and I know, we discuss quite frequently. It's like, Hey, you know, our brain is our greatest strength. It's also each of our greatest weaknesses. And it's Mm -hmm. almost like the more high functioning you are, the more of a weakness it is. It's there. there, there, There's like, there's a sweet spot. We were Mm -hmm. just talking about this the other day. There's a sweet spot (laughs) of like, you want to be smart enough to not be dumb, but you don't want to be too smart to be actually smart because then you're going to second guess everything. But if you're too dumb, you're not going to be able to figure out and connect enough dots to be able to get forward momentum. Like you want to have this just right point mm-hmm. of like intellect. Oh, absolutely. So that like you're not thinking about the things we're talking about right now. You're just like doing things, mm-hmm. but you're doing them with a tiny bit of calculation.
1: Oh, yeah. So the the body yeah. and our brain um, is an incredible pattern recognition machine. Yeah. And like you were saying, if you are too intelligent, you can connect dots that aren't there.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And that can lead to a huge amount of mental strain. Yeah. Physical strain. Yeah. And also emotional, spiritual. And that can manifest in areas of the body depending on how you interpret
0: your own body. Would you say the smarter you are, the more difficult it is to actually handle stress? That's a very blanket statement. Would you That's say it. that there is the propensity to handle stress worse being more intelligent than if you were dumber in nature?
1: It depends on the mechanisms in place. Okay. So if you are more intelligent, yeah, and you do the work mm-hmm. and you put the mechanisms in place that when a stress response happens yeah. that you're able to process it, okay, then you're fine. Okay. If you are super intelligent, that tele- intelligence can be a weapon against yourself. Mm-hmm. When a stress response comes in, you can overanalyze that stress response yeah. and then it can be an effect
0: against you. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so brain is constantly protecting us against ourselves. Something I've been talking to my athletes about recently is I flex this mental muscle. I flex this thing. Like, mm-hmm. it's really hard. You know, there's, um, there's like, documented stories about, like... um mothers like pulling a car off of their toddler and shit like that, because like due to our neurologic activity, like we're only able to like tap into maybe 60% of our actual strength. And I think like that doesn't really apply to bodybuilders. I'm assuming if that's something you're constantly training that you're like getting into more of, of that strength, I would assume. Absolutely. I I would, I I don't think I'm only at 60% of my strength capacity. Like, you know, like you would hope not. There is a lot like that, that, that would be
1: insane. Okay, we can we can dive into that if you want yeah. to. So the mother yeah. lifting the car yeah. off of, you know, her baby who's yeah. under there. What happens yeah. is endorphins rush through her body, right? So yeah. because she sees her kid under there, she doesn't know what's happening. She immediately wants to override all protective processes yeah. in her brain. That's GTOs, muscle spindles. She Her brain says, we don't care about the input from those. Yeah. And I'm going to use the maximal force of my muscles. Yeah. And you see it. She lifts it off of it. It's amazing feat of strength. What they don't show you is the next day.
0: Oh, yeah. Like how how bad of a physical situation she's in because that, I mean, the adrenaline rush isn't going to wear off for quite some time. Yep. So, and obviously that compensates for a lot of pain. Absolutely. Interesting. Do you know? So, so, um, oh man, what's it called during sex when like, uh, what's it called? During a little sex. Having a micro penis? What's it called during sex when like you, um, your pain is like inhibited. Um, what's released? Um, the fucking.
1: Uh, Which ones? Uh. I don't know. Uh,
0: I, why can't I think of it right now? Um uh, epinephrine? It might be. Oxytocin? Your, like, But, but like during sex, you're like your, your propensity to feel pain drops substantially. Oh, absolutely is that along the same lines as like the adrenaline response of like the mother lifting off the car? It's all kind of in the same, yeah. in the same realm. Yep. So it's like extreme excitement. Oh yeah. There's, Very interesting. There's a, yeah. there's
1: a thin boundary okay. between sex Yeah. and even like even fear yeah. and even performance.
0: Very interesting. Okay. You know about this all zero killer situation?
1: Uh, I have heard rumors. Yeah. So uh, every time yeah. I'm out on the streets, my yeah. adrenaline is a little bit yeah, spiked. Yeah.
0: They're, they're targeting us. <laughs> Literally 30-year-old men. I know. Do you believe in it? Um, I don't know yet. Yeah, I'm not super educated on it. I will say, so I, I, my guilty pleasure is TikTok. I think I've told you. Have oh, told yeah. You
1: about TikTok that? Is, can, can push forward some 30 conspiracies.
0: Minutes 30 minutes. 30 a minutes. Day. You limit yeah. yourself to 30 minutes? Yeah, my timeline's unreal. My timeline's geared towards the exact shit that I want to see. It's love, super dope. Like, love that. Really good stuff on there. So I, I feel like when I leave the app, I feel somewhat like um, inspiration is not the right word. I just feel enlightened. Okay, you okay. get a little bit of education from I do. It. Yeah. I do. Like my
1: TikToks like I got thirty minutes to capture this yes, guy. Yes. Let's yeah, and, go. and it does it.
0: And like <laughs> it does it to a high level. Like there's no fitness on there. It's, it's 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 in my opinion, like it's good stuff, right? So Okay.
1: You don't have fitness on your TikTok? None. They don't target you with Zero. that? Zero. That's Zero. impressive.
0: Well, I don't interact with it. Or if I see like, you know, like the girls dancing or something, it's just like, just scroll fast. Same. Like they're looking at your, so, so I I curated that algorithm. Instagram's too far gone. I do the same thing. My Instagram algorithm is so far gone. Yeah.
1: Like bodybuilding. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Since, you know, lots of them follow me and I yeah. follow them.
0: My Instagram algorithm is body bodybuilding. Building. Yeah. Yep. It's just bodies all over the yep. place. Right. <laughs> so, um, I went down this, uh, I don't want to say I didn't go down a rabbit hole cause I feel like you're looking for it at that point. But I was, um, listening to someone talk about the psychology of like a serial killer and they were talking like, um, like the mental release that, that you'll get from sex. Okay. Like orgasming, climaxing during sex. Like they get that. Oh Yeah. What? Oh yeah. That's so, terrifying. It's dude. it's
1: it's whatever the, the you have you can train this, yeah, but sometimes it goes awry. But the pleasure systems of the body yeah. can be trained. That's unbelievable. I know one guy, he gets the same sensation when he learns something new.
0: Oh really? He gets really excited? Oh yeah. He I is, feel fulfilled when I get something new, but I don't get like this brain
1: orgasm. Oh, I know, I know. He took it to a little bit of an extreme. Crazy. That man has spent five, six hundred thousand yeah. on education just because that's his, that's his fix.
0: But the ROI is probably pretty strong, right? Um, no,
1: no. He he mainly does it for. That's one of those situations where he does it just for the fulfillment, and Very he doesn't honest. use it. He doesn't uh, execute on it.
0: Okay, yeah. you listen to Hugh I do. The rewiring your dopamine system. Mm-hmm. Absolutely fascinating. Oh, yeah. Me. Absolutely fascinating. We thing. mostly abuse it. You know, what's interesting is like I get real world um, data from this daily from athletes or from- oh, that makes sense. Things on social media. My best performing post on the Grow Dye podcast page is about caffeine. Really? Oh right! Because you're attacking I, people's beliefs. I was about
1: to say I've I've uh, been seeing that pop up more often, probably because of um, the pros and the hate that
0: you get on it. So much hate. Yep. So much hate. Mm-hmm. I post something on caffeine. That's 60k views. Easy. Damn. That's hundreds of comments.
1: I need to start doing more caffeine. Dead ass. Compare carboxy
0: to caffeine because that's our drug. Yeah. That's the most abused drug that there is. You know, in America right now. That's correct. It's caffeine mm-hmm. and people. If you attack their dopamine, what gets them going?
1: Or even their perception of what gets them going. Oh,
0: man. I know people telling me that it gives them energy, and I'm like, how? Oh, it has five calories. How the fuck do you get energy from five calories, you idiot? It, uh, it, it, it blocks your adenosine receptors. That's correct. Yeah, so it, it gives you keeps you from thinking
1: wake- that you're tired.
0: Yeah, yeah, like that that's way different than giving you, you no. Know, like food gives you energy, not freaking caffeine. Well,
1: that's the same thing with beer. Like technically, alcohol is a downer. Yeah, but it has so many carbs in it. Yeah, that people are like, oh, I feel that you energized. Get a, a rise from it,
0: and then they crash. Yeah, and that fascinating. So like, you attack these people's pleasure systems, and they get pissed. And I'm not even attacking it. Okay. You know, but you know, What's funny. Emily does such a good job. You're just critiquing. I'm just critiquing the utilization of it. <laughs> I love caffeine more than anyone else. Oh yeah. I love caffeine. I use it every day. I use it five days a week. It's, it's definitely a, if you utilize it well. Yeah. Incredible. That's all I'm asking people to do. Utilize it well. That's all I'm asking you to do. Mm-hmm. If you have to have a day of like, like, dude, I had one recently, I think it was Monday. I, I had to have like six, 700 to get through the day. Okay, so the rest well, of the you, week I make sense. up for it.
1: You're making taking as much as an elephant. You
0: basically, basically, <laughs> <laughs> but like the rest of the week I just make up for it. Yeah, like I don't have as much. And, well, that's fair. And like today I've had 60 milligrams, and like I feel fucking great, right? And like Damn. tomorrow I'm only gonna have 60 milligrams. You've only had 60 milligrams? Great. Yeah, dude. Holy shit! I'm vibing off the frequency of life, baby. <laughs> 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 but it's it's funny you 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 attack people's you know reward systems, and that's how. It's funny bodybuilding goes through ebbs and flows of like the information and whatnot and so it's like i came around and i started talking about training to failure and at the time that was not popular i was like not a thing it's training to failure people were training rir and rpe and stuff like that and i was just getting attacked that attacked, attacked. now everyone trains to failure how come how come not failure because there was no science that proved that it worked. That's what people well, always say to me. There's and, no science to prove a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, and there's and and there's also science that say a lot of things work that don't fucking work. Yep. So when when you're when you're when you look like you don't even have a gym membership and you're commenting on my fucking Instagram telling me that I'm fucking wrong, like I'm not saying I'm right and I know everything, but no matter what I'm saying, I know it's better than whatever you're thinking. <laughs> That's you know? fair. Like That's you're, fair. You're, you're, you're not living it. So people's pleasure systems is absolutely fascinating to me, and it's interesting because it's like man. If If you take this psychology of attacking or rewarding people based on their pleasure systems, wow, you could really create like a massive podcast or a massive YouTube, or you could create a, you could cultivate so much hate, but also at the same time, such a massive pouring of support that like, I mean, look what, what Andrew Tate's done. Like, I don't know. So here's the thing about him. I know nothing about him.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't know much about him either. But holy fuck. But he's popular enough for me to know his name, even though I haven't seen
0: I don't know what he does. Yeah. I've heard that he's sexist. And I also heard that he's just like pro people being good people. And I'm like, wow, there's two different opposite ends of the spectrum here. That's fair. And I, I heard, I, I saw some on Instagram the other day that like they took his Bugatti. So he bought 10 more. And I'm like, if you can buy 10 Bugattis, whatever you're doing is right.
1: That like, keep doing is it. fair. That yeah. is
0: unbelievable. I mean, goodness. Yeah. 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 Maybe I'm just she wagons. To, I'm just she wagons is trying to
1: get one Bugatti. <laughs> I'm just trying
0: to get one, dude. Like, holy shit. <laughs> it's one
1: Lamborghini Murcielago. Yeah, that's all I want. That's,
0: my standard is so low. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I have the, I had this adductor issue pop up. Monday you come over, we're chatting, and I'm like, dude, I, I like I refuse to walk up a step with it. I refuse okay. to like do anything with it. I'm not pushing it. I'm like so mentally fucked. The one day you asked me to do a lunch, and I was like, I just like you didn't froze. even know no no yeah. it like, like I was you, sick to my stomach you did a split stance yeah and you like started and you were, and you were like nope it I'm l- out. literally made me sick to my stomach yep but then the other day what what was it you brought up what was that called that how to practice it how to like just stand next to it and, and lift oh, my leg oh, up oh, and pull myself Oh, cognitive behavioral therapy. Cognitive behavioral therapy. And I told you, I was like, how this is going to work is one day I'm just going to decide I'm not injured
1: anymore. Yeah, there's some people who need to ease into it. There's some people who need to jump in.
0: So I, I, I like, jump the fuck
1: in. Yeah, that's fair.
0: That Then I took Peyton out on a walk like a couple hours after mm-hmm. and I was like, every step I see him walking on my left fucking foot. And that's what I did. Yep. And then I came back and I was like, oh, I'm fine. I'm not hurt anymore. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so there's a mental block that happens in sports. Okay, that I've seen so many people. Um, there's an athlete. Well, he's had a lot of a lot of injuries and stuff. There's an athlete for the Clippers, um, basketball NBA, Kawhi Leonard, who was like a superstar there for many. He was like a top five guy in the NBA, um, and you know now he's getting a lot of criticism because he didn't really play much in the first round of the playoffs. The team lost. He's obviously a really highly paid guy X Y Z, but like he's just not the same anymore. Um, he might be a bad example because, to be honest, I don't follow it enough to know the extent of the injuries. Like, last time I followed the NBA, he was like a big deal. Now everyone's mad at him.
1: I don't even know he's who not you're talking about, him. honestly. But I
0: know he's had a lot of injuries, and it's clearly affecting his game. Okay. Right? This happens a lot. Are people losing a step because of the mental? Or are people, like, losing a step or the edge to their game because of the actual physical never healing back to 100%? Because my perception of it, Hugh, is like, we have world – I mean, you're the MBA. Like, you have unbelievable trainers. You have unbelievable access to resources that, like, can really heal you up and get you fixed. Oh, yeah. How are you not coming back even stronger? Is this the reason why? Is it because it's more mental than more mental. physical? Yep. Okay, if so – so, If you're
1: on that level – Yeah. And you have access to all of those resources of recovery and you come back – and yeah. you are not performing even 80%, it's mental. Interesting. Because uh, this is a really cool thing, um, yeah. especially in sports. People at very high levels, you can do this with your with your job. You can do this with a sport. You can do this with almost anything. There's some non-start mechanisms that yeah. happen. Okay. You see this with golf players okay. the most. So because they have to go from a very stagnant position and initiate a very technical Uh, motor program or a a motor skill they sometimes get so much in their head that they can't do their swing
0: is that where tiger woods is
1: uh i don't know i've if you can you can look it up uh there's i think phil mickelson did this once and it was it got pretty famous there was one time he went up to the tee and uh he was trying to start a swing and you could see the frustration because every time he tried to swing back he just like lost it and he lost it over and over again to the point where he walked off, did some circles, no way. and then he came back and he just eventually had to swing at it in a terrible fashion. Like non-pro level, looked like he was uh, at t-ball going for a-, a golf swing. No way. Yeah. And this can happen in any level, in any sport. You just don't see it in uh, dynamic sports as much because a lot of the time there is a compensation so if somebody gets off in the basketball level with their normal shot, what they'll do is they'll just get whatever off, even though it is still not their perfect
0: shot. Yeah. 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 Fascinating. Mm-hmm. Wow. How do we work through this? Because because this is a psychological issue. But when I say psychology, I think of like sitting in a room oh, yeah. with well, a shrink- and like, like, that's not going to get you there.
1: This is where sports psychology came in.
0: Well, I, I'm not even sure what sports psychology actually entails. Sports psychology
1: came to my attention initially with gymnasts. So every time before they do their routine, what you'll see is they'll walk up there. They'll close their eyes. They go through their entire routine. They're talking about steps. And the most elite athletes can feel the grain of whatever they're touching, whether it's their feet or their hands. Okay to an an extreme extent and they're going through all of those things. So when they do it, they've already done repetitions so many
0: times. So when I'm in prep for a contest and I'm doing cardio, I, I very commonly will close my eyes and like envision being on stage and like flexing the muscles and feeling the muscles. And I'll actually like start doing it a bit on cardio, Mm -hmm. uh, more so like lower body. Is like it's you know way easier to flex upper body than lower body and maintain that on stage so like i'll actively do that is that kind of like the same thing like like because then when i get on stage it's like Dude, i've done this so many times
1: it is the same thing okay and even when you think about flexing your brain is actually already sending signals to your muscle and priming those muscles so it's giving okay. it a little bit of activation
0: okay before you even activate it so someone who's injured like a bodybuilder who's injured or who's who's you know coming back from something like a torn peck is kind of the most common thing in bodybuilding okay. um they go back into to train chest and they have this mental block that's happening mm-hmm. something that could benefit them might be before pressing working through it mentally going through the motions what they're feeling mm-hmm. maybe activating without Absolutely. any load yep before they go into it and then like actually getting into it obviously it's on top of like PT and and, and cairo and, and and stuff like that and then eventually they'll work their way maybe into being able to just do it without any drawbacks
1: yeah the the first thing that you want them to do is feel safe yeah and that's completely psychological and it's different for every athlete so some some people like you can probably Terrapec. yeah uh wait till they're recovered yeah please don't yeah right there i'm knocking on everything yeah dude (laughs) Dude, seriously (laughs) okay um and then they can jump right back in but there's some individuals that you just have to make feel safe so sometimes it is just sitting on the bench laying down and putting their arms in the position with no load fascinating and that they have to sit there for a little bit and just be like i'm okay okay and then from there, you can you can either have a static position, and you can regress or progress in any way that fits the dynamic of them continuing to feel safe through those progressions.
0: What would your def- What would your differential between pain and hurt be? I think for a lot of bodybuilders, actually, I, th- I think I need to add another layer to that. There's like the perception of this is painful. There's the actual undergoing of pain. Mm-hmm. And then there's like hurting yourself. Okay. And a lot of people aren't able, a lot of people just have a perception of pain. And like, I see it in training videos often. Yep. Like, Hey, you know, you, like that set was good, but like, Hey, we had like more reps, Mm -hmm. but you see in their face or you see in their body language kind of tensing a bit at the end of the set. Like they think that that was their failure point. Mm -hmm. Actual pain is like, that's the failure point. Like, Holy fuck. Like there, like my, my opinion of the actual pain is like at the end of a set, the last like three or four reps where you can literally feel that muscle like straining and like kind of tearing apart yeah and then there's hurt that's where correct. it's like this is immobile mm-hmm. this shouldn't undergo tension that's kind of my perception okay. of it for people what would you say the differentials are because what I want people to grasp from from this part is where am I actually like pushing myself but, like this is coming from a different Doctor of chiropractic standpoint, rather than just fucking meathead Justin. That's correct. Stupid podcast nerd. <laughs> <You're> just <meathead. laughs> you just meathead. You know nothing I'm about a stupid bodybuilding. Stupid podcast
1: nerd. Nothing about physiology. <laughs>
0: nothing. The hormone response to nothing. anything. Yeah, because I'm not a doctor. You're not well educated yeah, at no, all. No, no, no. That's what people on Instagram have told me, and so that's what I identify as. I identify as a podcast nerd.
1: I, uh, I am, I am very cautious to do an argument from authority, uh, because just because I'm a doctor, yeah, I, I know some of my colleagues, I, yeah. Would not support them. And then there's some colleagues that I have that are just would blow me out of the water. Yeah. So me knowing that dynamic. Yeah. It doesn't matter who you are. If you can logically back up what you're saying. I agree. That's, that's what I want to hear. I agree. I always ask people, I'm like, why is that? Somebody
0: brings me a point that I disagree with. Yeah. I'm like, argue with me. Let's chat. I would love yeah. to argue with you. Every doctor that debates me, that argues with me on um, Instagram, Emily mm-hmm. sends them an invite to come on the podcast. And it's, a fa- it's like a real invite. It's a I love invite. that. Let's come on and chat. And they all decline. Why? Are they scared of you? Hell yeah, they are. It's the beard. Uh, it's definitely the beard Or they just think that they're going to get belittled and demeaned And like I'm oh, not yeah. going to do that like, yeah. I'm here to have a conversation Absolutely. You think people want to like, listen to me fucking belittle Like this podcast is huge I'm not going to sit here and belittle people yeah.
1: Yeah, <laughs> like, nobody, nobody No one wants to, to listen to that Nobody wants to see that no If one. anything it would switch the ideology to like them Exactly like, and now yeah. they're going to support that person exactly. more than me
0: yep. Alright so, so perception Sorry, of pain versus actual pain
1: So perception of pain uh, It depends on are we talking about general population or bodybuilders because you let talk w- about bodybuilders. Bodybuilders. talk so, about bodybuilders. So the reason I make that delineation yeah. is because most of the time you will not see a torn muscle in the general population.
0: I never thought about that. You really won't, will you? No. Because at least they're they're how, what's their propensity to tear a muscle? Like like how how what activity are they commonly doing where they tear a muscle? Like house, house work. It's usually a very quick action. So
1: it's not like a very slow and controlled action. Yeah. Like if you're weightlifting under control, you're probably not if you're the general population, you're probably not going to tear muscle. Your GTOs will shut down What's the GTO? uh Golgi tendon organ. Yep. Um they're inside the tendons. Yep. They will shut down before it gets to any point of tearing. Bad. Bodybuilders yeah. and strongmen, all the people who have trained for years, override their gtos and muscle spindles and fascinating so when you when you talk to a bodybuilder about strain and pain it is much different than the general population because what happens is the gtos and muscle spindles send signals to the brain if they are overstretched or over tensioned okay and that your brain then interprets those signals and says uh it panics and it says pain because, again, you are reaching a point where your brain feels unsafe.
0: Yep, yep, yep. And that's why... For bodybuilding,
1: we have to take it there, though. Absolutely. No, no. So you're taking it to the edge. You've also overridden a lot of your GTO and muscle spindle responses, or at least reset the set point of so how the much they think. Higher. Yes, that's yeah. right. Their threshold is higher.
0: Fascinating.
1: So getting back to pain or strain. Yeah. Um, unfortunately... Pain is considered, the fancy term is a centralized phenomenon. Okay. It's because it is it is individual. Okay. There is uh, incredible variability in the perception of pain, and it actually goes so far that there's so many variables coming in that you can have somebody who doesn't want to train that day, and they are an Olympic athlete, they will perceive pain higher
0: because they already they, they don't want to be there they don't want to do it so their guard is already up
1: you lose you lose 1 hour of sleep of um from your regular amount um studies show that you incre- decrease your pain tolerance by 10%. No way. 1 hour. That is huge. Yeah. Sleep is that imperative. Imperative. Now it is by your base levels. Yeah, yeah. So you have to have a base level of sleep and you have to have a base level of pain.
0: So, there has to be consistency involved here. It can't be like all over the board. Okay. Interesting. Which a bodybuilder should have.
1: Yes. Which I've seen. Fascinating. Y'all are amazingly regimented in not only your behavioral lifestyles, but also in your training responses.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Fascinating. So, GTOs, let's talk about those uh, Golgi tendon organs. Golgi tendon organs. Those are in the tendon. Yep. And it's consistently measuring how much tension is on that tendon. That's correct. And then inside the muscle, the muscle spindle, that's doing the same thing. So mm-hmm. it's like a data point for these things. Is the nucleus Is the nucleus involved in that? Is the nucleus sending? And he said, do you know?
1: There are multiple nuclei yeah. in the muscles and the muscle spindles. And uh,
0: that's where it's com- kind of being compiled. Like how much pain we're undergoing is kind of being compiled.
1: It's more of a nerve response. God. So the muscle spindles measure stretch and the GTOs measure tension. The difference between those Mm -hmm. is length, Um, and then tendons don't really stretch that much, so they measure more of, like, how much tension.
0: Fascinating. Okay.
1: And there's different type of muscle spindle fibers. Okay. And those can get incredibly in-depth and confusing as well.
0: That's sending signals to the brain, and the brain's like, okay, we can handle a little bit more, we can handle a little bit more, we can handle a little bit more. Oh, shit. Okay, now we're a little bit past and that that's kind of where progressive overload comes. Cause, cause progressive overload is just as much neurological as it is physical. Oh yep. Like mental I, as well. I talk about pain threshold. Yeah. Like you you have to go past your pain threshold. The easiest way to progressive overload. Oh my gosh, I was having this conversation with an athlete, um, Chelsea yesterday. I love training Chelsea. I was having this conversation with Chelsea yesterday. So um she has dumbbell shoulder press first on push days. She has dumbbell incline press second pushes Mm -hmm. and she was frustrated because her dumbbell incline press keeps staying the same. It's not going up, but her dumbbell shoulder press is going up. And I was like, okay, so the dumbbell shoulder press is going up every week. The dumbbell incline press is staying the same. And you said it's second. Yeah. Okay. That's progressive overload. That is progressive overload. You're getting into that second movement after giving more to similar musculature. Absolutely. Where you overloaded. Mm -hmm. So if on the second one, we're staying the exact same while the first one continues to get more, that is progressive overload by nature. So one thing that I actually want to bring in as well is because you were touching on this
1: earlier. Yeah. Where you said there are points in your athletes where they're training and you know they have more, but their body shuts down. Yeah. Sometimes the central nervous system, not even the musculature, will shut it down. Because you have to realize the central nervous system has an energy source as well. If yeah. you deplete those, then it can no longer function. And it can only take in so much. You can train this to be elevated, but it takes time. So the muscles can also...
0: Our, our CNS uses ATP too, though, right?
1: That's correct. But there's it's uh, the local stores. So you, you can have ketones play into that at all ketones in the, um, upper neurons. So like in your brain function, yeah. absolutely. Um, one of my professors, he completely allowed like reductionist viewpoint. Yeah. He said, um, brain neurons need three things. Okay. It needs uh, glucose. Oxygen, I mean oxygen in the form of blood flow. Yeah, uh, because technically pure oxygen will kill brain yeah. cells. Yeah. But uh, glucose, oxygen, and uh, connection. Okay. When you get into those three, the connection is the one that is uh, usually the most exhausting because it's working as a network, and if they all fire off, then it can exhaust the system.
0: I just realized this. So connection, you're talking about the. Within- Neuron level, obviously, I'm going to, I'm going to make this much more broad. Mm -hmm. So like connection within the muscle, Mm -hmm. the greater your connection inside of the muscle gets during training, the far more neurological activity you're going to have. Mm -hmm. Would you say that that's true? That's
1: correct. Uh, Some people have termed this
0: cortical drive. Cortical drive. Is that just for the musculature component of this or is this for like everything? So the more active you are as a human, not necessarily just physically. Yes. You have more ability to function in
1: all aspects, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. Yep.
0: So literally by definition, the more you push yourself, mm-hmm. the more ability your brain has.
1: Technically. This is why. What's the upper threshold
0: limit? Does it exist?
1: Um, I'm sure it does. But uh, we're not close. We're not close, especially, man, there's always an upper threshold, Um, but I love, I think when we first met, you were talking about how bodybuilding helps research because it's pushing the boundaries of human physiology.
0: I would say now it's breaking the boundaries. I would say at the time it was pushing, I would say now we're so far ahead that it's completely broken.
1: I mean, I think
0: absolutely you're
1: correct, but breaking boundaries means that those were artificial boundaries that we set.
0: Aren't they all? Yes. And the- So so people look at like including me, I'm people. Mm-hmm. I look at Elon Musk and I'm like, wow, that guy's doing so much. But for everything he's doing mentally, he's not doing much physically. I mean, look at the guy, you know, correct. He's not in great. So would you say someone like you and I were very physically active? Mm-hmm. We're obviously very mentally active. Mm-hmm. I don't we don't talk much about spirituality, but like I'm okay, I'm decently spiritually active. Mm -hmm. Very decently. I could put more work into that. He's kind of all mental. Would you say that is his brain really operating at that much different of a threshold point than ours is because of how much he's lacking in other areas?
1: So it depends. Think of it. Think of each one as a catalyst to each other. I do believe that the body is the fuel source or the engine to the brain, and the brain is um, the product.
0: Yeah. So with, with even so with that even being said, and like he's not helped from a physical. I haven't seen his blood work. I know nothing about <laughs> the guy from a physical look. Elon Musk, please give us your yeah, blood work. He's under muscled. Mm-hmm. He's a little too much body fat. Yeah. But the body's feeding into the brain. That's correct. How the fuck's he able to function at that level? Compensations. Yeah. Um,
1: something called greater potential. Sometimes people's brains are more efficient in creating connections, right. neur- neuronal connections, yep. and also being able to fire off.
0: Bioindividuality. That's, yeah. There you go. Very interesting. <laughs> Great word. Love Very that. interesting. Okay. So an ideal perfect world. Yep. Let's someone's go. pushing all of these things. The mental, the physical, the spiritual. Mm-hmm. What happens when, what's, what about burnout? Great
1: question. There is a point where anything can become detrimental if overdone, right? So um, there's functional overreach and then there's overtraining. Yeah. Uh, Same thing with almost anything in the body. You can think too hard. You can emote too much. Um, That can come into play. You can have too much caffeine. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, Anything that is uh, becomes to a poisonous level will be a detriment, and that includes physical activity, um, thinking, um, isolating yourself. So solitude, I think, is a very good thing. Okay. When done in bouts, because like brain cells, we need connection. Fascinating. We are broadband connections, and it. We're tribal by nature. Tribal by nature, and social interaction actually helps us drive mental. mental fortitude okay. and also uh, the ability to process information better.
0: What about social interaction that doesn't push us? Oh, that's different. Yeah. Like if your friend group is just like not really that. Negative Nancy's all the yeah. time. Yeah.
1: That's uh, that's very superficial interactions. Yeah. Okay. They don't allow you to um, push your mental limits.
0: So we literally need to be intellectually simulated by people who are around us in order to continue like pushing our barriers. Yes.
1: Not all the time though.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It can't be too much. That's correct. Well, it's interesting because like now I'm like assessing like my friend group and like, dude, I have the friends like you who like we, I, I, you push me intellectually. <laughs> I, I try to do the same.
1: You do you. the same. We come from different, we, we come from different points. Way
0: different. Yeah. But it's funny how much we like see eye to eye. Absolutely.
1: Well, it's because again, we're able to argue. Yeah. In a productive manner. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Cause neither of us are wrong. But no. are either of us actually right? That's, you know? That, man, that is such... Because it's perception. That's correct. It's perception.
1: That's why you have to be able to argue. Yeah. Because, um, man, my friend, which hopefully we can get him on the podcast in yeah. the future. Um,
0: yeah. You were he, talking about him the other day? Yep. Yeah, I would love to. Yeah. I would love to, yeah. Um,
1: like, chiropractor, PhD, candidate. Well, actually, he's got his PhD now. But yep. um, he, which I don't know if I agree with this. We'll still have to discuss this more. But he says that um, there are no placebo effects. He said, placebos are just things that we don't know how to measure yet, mm. which is an incredible viewpoint on placebos. And I I haven't found a way to critique it completely. So I have to regard him as somewhat right.
0: There's a process of manifestation, but then there's something else um, that's not, ma- it's not pertaining to manifestation that... The placebo effects might be covered by, I can't remember the terminology for it, but what it is, is if, if you just simply like believe it's not telling yourself if you actually buy into a belief, Mm -hmm. then that's what comes true. Oh, like manifesting. Yes, but it's not, it's not a manifestation. It's slightly different. It's more like. Since you believe it, you make it happen. Yes, yes. So a manifestation, I feel like, is a little bit more... I'm a huge manifester, so this isn't coming from a place of negativity. It's like I'm putting it into the universe, Mm -hmm. and I'm continually putting it into the universe, and I'm following a path Mm -hmm. that I have set based off what I've put into the universe. And this is a little bit more like... I don't have it yet, but I believe that it's coming.
1: If you... I think the point... That you should focus on there is you're following the path. Yeah. To get there,
0: which is why I think manifestation is so powerful. Absolutely.
1: But there's, there's a, follow
0: through. Th- and you have to follow through. Absolutely. But with this, what I'm looking at is I agree with him as well. So you give someone, um, you inject someone with actual testosterone, then you inject someone with oil, but you tell them it's testosterone, they're still going to see results.
1: Oh, yeah, you you told me about that. Because they're believing
0: that it's testosterone that's going inside of them. That's correct. Their testosterone levels will still rise, a little bit.
1: Not the same as— Not going to be close to the same. So their endogenous testosterone levels will rise. Absolutely. But not as much as if it was exogenous. But the
0: issue, if you educate this person, the person who was just injected with oil— Uh-huh. It's going to rise only very temporarily and superficially because at some point it's going to drop because you're going to think, well, my indigenous is not working anymore. Interesting. So it's actually end up dropping, but they might not see the same effects of a normal testosterone drop where you lose your libido. You lose your 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 vigor. You lose some sleeping uh, consistency, things like that usually happens with people on low T. Mm-hmm. So theirs is going to rise superficially. Then drop back down because it's like, well, my normal stuff isn't working now. Okay. Because it actually isn't working. Interesting. And. So their perception and, has. Or wait, no, I'm sorry. But it, it still is working. Yeah. But they're telling themselves that it's not working because now they're relying on this thing. Oh, okay, okay. Does that make sense?
1: So it goes down. Um Because they believe it
0: is. They believe that. They are no longer running off the exogenous. Exactly. Oh, wow. No way. Exactly. So, but they might not see the same effects as when testosterone typically drops in someone because they believe that their testosterone is actually high. Okay. Isn't that crazy? That's insane. So that's like, so a- that's not really manifestation that like, that's the placebo effect thing that he's talking about mm-hmm. right there. Like you don't actually, you're just injecting oil.
1: Oh yeah. But they're, they're getting more into, um, our perceptions of things. Yeah. And how they affect our bodies. Because it turns yeah. out that your perception of anything yeah. has physiological effects. There's, there's no denying it. Yeah. And I agree with my friend that we don't know how to measure how that happens. Yeah. Because as of right now in research, the brain is just a black box. Yeah. You know what a black box is? Yeah. Yeah,
0: Yeah, like the black box on an airplane. Yep. It's just like holding up all the information.
1: Yep. What go- we know what goes in yeah. and we know what comes out. Yeah, we don't know what anything
0: the hell happens. What happens inside that box? Every time I see like an actual brain, like the like like the like an actual brain matter. Oh, it's awesome! It's unbelievable. I've held a few in my hand. Have you? Oh yeah,
1: they're very dense, heavy. Yeah. Oh yeah,
0: and they're they're small. They're oh <laughs>
1: smaller than you would think. That's some crazy. are smaller than others. That's crazy.
0: Yeah, is our brain of the ability at all to expand, or is it like up against the skull?
1: Um, so during development, they um they used to think that we didn't form neurons in adulthood that is changing. We now continuously form neurons yeah. throughout our life, which is I kind of knew. Yeah. Because how would people continue learning? I, yeah. I do know that um it's actually the strength of connections yeah. that creates the ability for us to think effectively. Yep. And what our brains don't really grow after development. Yeah. What happens is they, um, the neurons create better and easier connections so they don't have to use as many resources to fire.
0: Oh, so it's just like optimizing itself. Yep. Yep. Very interesting. On Huberman's podcast the other day, um, I was listening to one, I think it was a newer one. Um, he had this lady on, she was fantastic. Um, and she was talking about how they had recently researched exactly what you're saying. And terminally ill patients who they were dying, yeah. And um, they were doing not the, they were doing the dyes, the brain scans, and all that stuff to see how much there's a, a way to configure how many new neurons are being formed in the brain. Mm-hmm. These terminally ill p- patients up until time of death were still developing new neurons Absolutely. in their brain and they were terminally ill which shows how much drive Mm -hmm. there is to continually learn more and more. Oh, absolutely. And there's people out there that like, don't learn something new every day. And that blows my fucking mind. She was also talking about, you can alter telomere response. uh, Yeah. Telomere length based on if you're continually learning, Mm -hmm. like some of the best things for telomere length, one, the optimal place of stress. Mm -hmm. If you are, over stress is obviously not good, but if you're under stress it's actually worse than being over stressed because you have less life ambition. If you're under stress, it's because you're under important. So the See perfect that. place to be is like, you have a good bit of stress. You're managing that stress, but the stress is coming from a place of you being needed. Oh, crazy. It's like my clients need me. Yeah. So that that that's social inclusion is so yeah, social inclusion should that's one of the best things for telomere length So for people who might understand your the length of your telomere is like your actual age. That's That's how I break it down Mm -hmm. It's like your age might be 29 But whatever my telomere length is is how old I actually am So the longer they get the older you are the shorter they are the younger you are
1: uh, I think that's reverse. Oh, it's reverse.
0: Yeah. The shorter they are, the older you are and the longer they are, the younger you are.
1: Yes. That's okay. Correct. So. Cause think of telomeres as like the buffer to your DNA.
0: Yeah. Every time they get replicated, yeah. some little tiny sh- uh, sliver of it gets sheared off. That makes complete sense. Yeah. So one of the best things for anti-aging was the, s- the stress component. That's correct. You have to be needed. I
1: hope you say this next one. I'm going to be so excited.
0: The next one, well, the next one I was going to bring up, it's not the one that's going to excite you. The next wow. one I was going to bring up was, was just sex hormone variables. Oh, really? Um, like testosterone and, and estrogen and things like that. Like, I'm surprised
1: you don't know. That was a big one?
0: There's there's only one thing that we
1: found so far now um, that lengthens telomeres. What is it? Physical activity.
0: Physical activity. Yeah. Yeah. Physical activity is another, like you have to, but she, but she was discussing with physical activity. hmm Mental activity and learning new skills, Gross. not refining old skills. Oh, yeah. New skills. New skill acquisition mm-hmm.
1: is just as big as any of these. things. Oh, yeah. You want to know um, the one of the best things to stave off dementia?
0: Is it learning new skills?
1: Learning a new instrument.
0: That make, That's fascinating. Yeah, which, makes is, which falls right into that. Yeah, category. it makes sense. Yeah. So like me learning more about PEDs. That mm-hmm. doesn't really do much for me. Yep. You learning more about chiropractic it doesn't do a lot in terms of aging. It doesn't do a lot for you. That's correct. You learning how to play a new instrument. Oh yeah. That's going to do it for you. Skill acquisition
1: is practically a huge
0: driver of life. So skill acquisition actually drives into that stress loop of now it's become something that you're good at and now you want to master it mm-hmm. because that, that's human drive. Uh, uh, that's human drive. So now you want to master it and now you have some stress pertaining to it. But this stress goes back to the feeling of, of, of being, of being needed. Oh yeah. Like this is giving you vigor. This is keeping you young.
1: See, I think of my life as in the form of a skill tree in video games. Yeah.
0: You know what those, you yep. know, you remember like those? Call of Duty. Oh yeah. Like Call of Duty. You just have like little D- things.
1: Yeah. You get little perks from yeah. each one. Oh, yeah. I just, I love like. I've never let, thought about it like let's that. Let's open up this new branch
0: over here. Yeah. Yeah. you like achievement unlocked. Yep. Like, like <laughs> that's what, yeah. Yeah, I would say my life is like an achievement unlocked. Killjoy. Like, like, yeah, like how, how many achievements can I get? That's absolutely fascinating. Now, we talked a lot about the brain. We talked a lot about neurological connections. How does chiropractic play into this? And when people think about chiropractic, you know what pisses me off? People think about chiropractic and it's like, I'm going to be a thousand. Like every chiropractor I've had other than you in my life has like just not been very good. I didn't know that. I didn't know they weren't very good. But like, you know, they put you on the rolling table and like, they make you do the fucking things with your fucking head and they, they crack your neck and Mm then like singe off. Right. Whereas like you are doing like full body analysis and corrections and fixes and you're feeling for things. Where's tension? Where's the resistance? Like, let's fix that. Let's get that right. It's really fucking cool. Mm -hmm. And like everyone who I've sent you, like they've said the same thing, like, holy fuck, I've never had an experience like that with a chiropractor Mm -hmm. before. Everyone thinks about cracking the neck. Mm-hmm. in the spine all that stuff neurologically what is happening oh yes when you're doing this
1: love this question yeah okay so uh first of all, I think of my job as removing os- obstacles yeah. while being a catalyst for people to continue performing the things they love yeah whatever that is because as you've said before, our drive and our stress of being needed and life is is a nuanced difficult thing for anybody to describe, and the best that I can do is give people the ability to function within those parameters yeah that's where I love being yeah now for neurologically what chiropractic does um, the coolest part of it is think of it as giving more fuel by to the neurons of the brain to function better to by giving the body more movement yeah because if you have a restriction in a joint think of it as if the joint is moving well it can then send some of its neurologic signals to the brain to drive proper brain function Mm -hmm. if that joint is not functioning well it takes a little bit of power away and the brain being the amazing triage system that it is will probably be able to function pretty well with one joint not doing well. But as that builds up, you have other functions starting to fail, like vision impairments, um, hearing impairments, your your body's not moving as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Your body will then specifically have to triage systems in your body. And that is um, biodiverse to what they triage. But me and my job, if I'm able to keep you moving well, Yeah. I'm able to keep the brain working well. Yeah. Because a cool thing that happens is, if neurons start shutting down, you have a lack of function in the brain. When I adjust you, it sends a neurologic barrage to the brain, and they call it um, a cortical reset. Some people call it a cortical reset. Okay. Where there's a short moment, it's it's like milliseconds, like uh, fractions of a millisecond, where yeah. your brain shuts off. And turns back on. That's
0: so fascinating.
1: It's very fascinating. And what it does during that turn off and turn off period, it's literally when you call IT and they're like, "Have mm. you tried turning it off? Yeah, and turning back on. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. resets the capacitors, and now it rechecks all of the systems and gauges, and any neurons that aren't firing well, okay. can fire better.
0: Fascinating. So chiropractic does that. So with each, with each. Say so you're like adjusting my shoulder, mm-hmm. that's one. And yep. then my elbow is one. Yep. Like my fingers are one. So with each adjustment that you do on the body, it's basically a reset. Yes. Do all those signals go to like a similar place in the brain? Um again, black
1: box with brain. Got it. Yep. Uh we have some theories of where yep. they go. Um, of course, because there is uh it's mostly somatic input, yep. It will go to the um to the part of the brain where it processes the semantic input of the brain so you have a motor cortex and a sensory cortex it's it's mostly going to go to the sensory cortex um, but those are very close to each other yep um, and there's some collateral firing so because it's electrical stimuli there is some collateral uh connections
0: and that's why you can get
1: the more that you can sense the more that you can be able to move well that's because they are right next to each other in the brain. You have sensory, motor, boom, and then in front of the motor you have cor- like cortical, which is uh, how you think executive function.
0: What's your favorite place to uh, to adjust someone? Their back.
1: Ooh, on their back. Yeah. Um, if we're talking about the axial spine, yeah, it's usually uh, the C T junction. Okay. Because during my time in university, yeah. It was considered the hardest place to adjust. Okay. And me being me, they yeah. would say that and I'd be yeah. like, let's challenge accepted. Exactly. I'd yeah. just be like, that's what I want to learn how to
0: adjust. Which one is that? Is that the one where you wrap your arms around like when I'm when I'm right here?
1: No, no, no. So there's a there's a lot of ways to attack it. So okay. you, you can get it with the the around part. It's, yep. it's very high up there. Okay. It's right where your neck meets your shoulders. So yes, C T junction usually um is C six to about T three, T four. Okay. okay. Um, it's the base of the neck when you're... Le- it's the neck adjustment at the base of the neck.
0: Fascinating. So you
1: can adjust the base of the neck, middle of the neck, upper neck. Yeah. Um, It just depends on how I specify the tension during
0: yeah. the setup. Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely fascinating. My favorite one is when when I'm on my back and your hands like in the middle of my back and it just like cracks. Oh, yeah. It just... F- it's like an AK 4 every freaking week. It's like an AK 47 went off in there. It's like, holy shit. And then like, I just like lay there after like, wow, that was like, that was like a full body relief.
1: Yeah. It just takes your breath away.
0: You know, every time after every time you adjust me, I like, I get so sleepy. That's Is awesome. that because of the amount of messages the brain just had to process? Crazy. That's correct. Yeah, like I'm. It's not a physical exhaustion. It is like this insane mental exhaustion. Like I need a nap. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, I don't, I, don't, I don't take one. <laughs> no, no, no. That's fine. Is that? But is it a good idea to take a nap after?
1: It depends that? on what benefits you want. Okay. So if the benefits are, benefits are mostly uh, neurological, then uh, absolutely. Okay. Um, you should rest the nervous system. It can reset and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, if most of the benefits that you want are physical then you want to load the system because what I did is I broke any barriers or restrictions of movement. And while those restrictions of movement are now being reprocessed, you want to move through them. You, you're moving all the time. So I don't really have to worry about much. You're also... Um, a high mental performer Mm -hmm. and you also stress your central nervous system through training. Yeah. That's probably why after I adjust you, you kind of feel that fatigue. Yeah. And there are some people that we call metabolically fragile. Okay. And those are people that I would not adjust every joint on their body because their brain and their metabolic and neurologic system can't handle it.
0: They usually don't work out or they under move or what?
1: Depends. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. we it's usually some kind of we use this word uh to mean anything that is a deficit. It's some kind of neurologic lesion. Okay. Or neurologic deficit, whatever in fire in a firing pathway that doesn't allow them to function properly.
0: Very interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. Could previous traumas play into that? Absolutely. And they could be emotional. Um, because, uh, a lot of the times what people will do is if they have emotional traumas, mm-hmm. they're, um, they'll shut down some of their executive functioning okay. and exec, the executive region is in control of extension, mostly okay. like, okay. of course, all of it interplays with each other, okay. but the executive function is, um, in charge of extension. Once we take away our executive function, we go to our primitive state, which is more of that curled state. And we call it a red nucleus dominance. So your red nucleus is the primal section of your brain that develops very early and it is in charge of mostly flexion.
0: So when you're a bit hunched over, that's, that's kind of what's happening.
1: Sometimes your, um, executive functions are fatigued Yeah, and now you start going into that kind of curled in position.
0: You walk around downtown also a pretty good bit. Do you assess people all the time? I try to turn it off. I try. Do you ever go up to someone? You ever approach someone?
1: Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Like A lot of the times I go up to somebody if it seems like they don't know what's going on.
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah. 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 Okay. So sometimes people will have an indication of a drop foot or an L5 deficiency.
0: Yeah. Is that bad? Yeah. It's very bad. Okay. And are they experiencing pain?
1: No. So it's just a lack of, um, strength. In the um, yeah. L5 region, which will give you that dorsiflexion in the ankle. Yeah. And so when they have a gait, one one foot will not dorsiflex as much. And so it's it leads them for a propensity of tripping or falling. Yeah, I was going to say,
0: it sounds dangerous. It's very dangerous, especially if they're elderly. Yeah. Fascinating. Walking around Austin, do you feel like most people here are like relatively healthy? Yep. I do too. Yep. When I'm in downtown Austin, if I leave Austin, whenever I leave to travel anywhere, I'm going to Pittsburgh soon, going to New York soon. Austin. I'm going to Tampa next weekend. Even in Tampa, even when I'm in Tampa, I'm looking around like, wow, like, yeah, like Austin's another level. Really? Absolutely.
1: I I moved here because there, there is a specific mindset in Austin.
0: That's why I moved here. That was a big reason I moved here too. Like, dude, we don't really have like fat people. No, there's not many. It's amazing. Uh, Yeah. if you were comparing Austin to the general population. Oh my God. Have you ever been to Ohio? No. Well, honestly, you've been to Houston. I know Houston is pretty Houston's, really
1: bad. Houston's pretty bad. Dude,
0: if you went to Ohio, you'd be amazed. It's so unhealthy. Really? People wear it on their faces people like all these their bodies yeah like I the can, way they speak I don't know how people function unhealthy but well they don't know
1: I know well, my I, family has no idea Hugh I get it that's what actually I was gonna say that yeah so the mental mindset to get behind health is a momentum based mindset so
0: this is where my 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 family and I are very disconnected and to be honest with you and I could never say this to them a majority of is their political Mm -hmm. views. And like the 90% is like, dude, can you just go for a fucking walk? Yep. You can't even go for a fucking walk. Mm -hmm. It's not that they're crazy. Like they're not like fat. Yeah. They're just not healthy. They're just not. And I just cannot relate to like, like no one has a gym membership. No one in my family has a gym membership. No one goes to a yoga studio. No one does any sort of group fitness. No one does anything. Do they... Oh man, how do they I? sit there and they watch Fox news and they just like get melted by Fox news. Like they don't flex their mind. They don't flex their muscle.
1: Do they talk to you like they feel guilty because they think you're judging them?
0: No, they all, they, well, or do they judge you down on me? Yeah. They, they judge you. Yeah, they judge me. Okay. Like They think I'm the idiot. <laughs> I know there, there are know. two
1: mindsets of there. There's, there's like, why not live comfortably? Yeah. If I can. Yeah. And then there's like why not live the lifestyle that
0: allows me to do the things that I love? Yeah. If I can. To be honest with you, Hugh, my mindset has like always been like always from a very young age. Like this, it's this, when I take my clothes off, I really want to like what I see.
1: (laughs) I I feel like uh, that's a pretty common mindset. But like,
0: like people in Ohio don't have that. I think it's more, they feel helpless or don't know what to do. Definitely helpless, but isn't a feeling of helpless a little bit like, Uh, that's kind of on you I
1: okay I don't disagree yeah uh, I have to deal with this a lot in my clinic I have a, a huge variety of people who come in okay and just because somebody is unhealthy I usually don't come in a very judgmental way yeah I come in asking questions being like is this the lifestyle that they want do they want to change it if they want to change it what are the obstacles in the way of that and you have to come in in a very very uh Diplomatic way you can't come in assuming anything and you don't want to be that doctor. That's like hey uh, You're fat, but I'm not gonna give you any yeah. strategies
0: to change it. Okay so Can we can we dive into like if an over fat person comes in absolutely? What do you what do you do? I'm talking I'm not talking like 600 pounds. Oh, I us say someone pounds. Houston how, how 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 the fuck do you how? How do they get there first? Mm-hmm. But like, what do you do in uh in what way? Like, how do you? What's there to adjust? how How do you feel resist? Is it is it kind of the, is it the same? Like, do you feel resistance the same? There's so much fat on
1: them. Absolutely. So, our tactile senses. It, we try to hone them as much as possible okay. to be able to feel through tissue because what we're feeling is not really the immediate tissue separating or any restrictions. We feel kind of a general idea of how the system okay. is working, Okay, but there comes a point where too much fat yeah. is too much fat. Too yeah. much adipose tissue yeah. means that I can't feel anything. I've adjusted people where I think I'm doing absolutely nothing. Really? Yeah, but these are... We're talking 600 people, 600 okay. pound people. Okay. And I think I'm doing nothing, but they walk out like I saved the world. They're like, they're like, thank you
0: so much. That was amazing. There's a lot of corrections you're not able to do with them because they can't get into the position. That's correct. It puts a little more strain on my body. And you can only have them lay down. You can't like have them flip over. Can oh, you?
1: No. Yeah. Um, depends on the individual. A lot of the times, um, the people who are 600 pounds, they can function at a very base level, so they think they're still okay. When really... But like mentally, they think they're okay? Because they can move. They can walk. They can walk in. They can do um, a lot of things that would be considered normal function. But if you ask them to do any kind of physical activity that would... Uh, go above a very base level of yeah. str- stress or strenuous yeah. activity, they probably won't function as well.
0: Not your opinion. Um, I I wouldn't know. So I'm not asking for your opinion. I'm asking for is is there anything that substrates that as like a mental disability? Do you
1: know? Um if we're not going by my opinion, I haven't read any research indicating that, but there may be a lack of research in that department.
0: Fascinating.
1: Yeah. Because research is mostly um pathology and performance driven. So it's two sides of the spectrum.
0: And there's that 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 that's such a niche crowd yes. that there's probably not much difference it actually makes. That's fair. And I think most But of the we time- could assume You don't have to answer this if you don't want to. This is fun. I could assume like that's a mental disability.
1: We, I would assume there are some processes there that
0: need to be worked on.
1: I'm going to be real diplomatic with my answer there.
0: And you have to be. Yeah. I don't, but like they think they're okay. They think they're like good. Like they can move. Yes, that's correct. So that's their like operating standard. Yep. To be honest, I've never interacted with someone who's like that large.
1: And I, I usually when I go into any conversation with anyone, I usually ask them like, "Is this what you want?" What do they say? And a lot of the times,
0: yeah. Okay. And if that, that, you know what? If that's what you want, then are like if you're happy, yeah, then I. Fuck, I'm chilling.
1: I, I think I think it was like a house episode or something a long time ago, where yeah. this like uh, 600 pound man he had pulmonary um, man he had some kind of pulmonary disease, cancer or something, yeah. and um, he didn't care. He just wanted to eat. He didn't want to get healthier. He was like, I just like food. Okay. And that's how I want to live. And honestly, I can't fault if you know the consequences of your actions and you accept them. I
0: can't fault you for that. Can't fault you for that. There's a this. There's this. Often snobby approach that fitness or bodybuilders take, but like, um, I'm I'm guilty of it too. Like, how can you be fat? Like, how the fuck can you be fat? But like you're saying, if they're ha- if they're happy, yep. If that's what they want,
1: mm-hmm.
0: if they just want to fucking eat food. Yep. Like, man, when you really break it down, Hugh, like being healthy physically mm-hmm. or mentally as an adult is like challenging. It can be challenging. It's a hard. We live in a Tough world. the uh, the most most people's schedule fitting in an hour, you know, training session is is difficult. Absolutely, you know, making consistently healthy food choices isn't as easy as making consistently unhealthy food choices, given what's you know thrown our way. The culture. I just feel like it's a responsibility that we have to ourselves at the end of the day. But my opinion doesn't fucking matter.
1: No, I I actually don't disagree with you. Um, I do. I do understand that some people have the capacity to live the life that they want to. And if they accept those consequences, then absolutely. Would I prefer for everybody to be pushing their limits on a constant basis? Absolutely. I'm not. I'm not in this profession to fix boo-boos. Yeah. I'm in this profession to allow you to live the best life you can.
0: I love that. Yeah. To end, how do you find a good chiropractor? How do you, oh man. Because, like, like, dude, there's, you're asking this question at the end? Yeah. There's some bad, like, you, there's bad shit out there. And, uh, you know, my athletes will come to me and I'll be like, hey, back double bicep. Like, I think this is what's happening. Like, I'm not an expert, but like, I would love to get a chiropractor's opinion. Then they go to the chiropractor and they're like, yeah, they didn't do anything.
1: Man, I'm going to get shot over some of these answers. Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. Um, okay.
0: So... You can be as diplomatic as need be, but... Nah. Nah. This is my, this is my
1: own profession. Yeah, I'll, just, I'll just get some hate mail over yep, this. That's okay. Um, okay I get so, it every day. So, yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. I guess if we're, if we're saying my opinion about who is a good chiropractor, um, immediately if you walk in and you're not in pain and they want to x-ray you, red flag number one. Oh,
0: yeah. That happens. That happens. You and one other guy in Chattanooga. Remember I told you about him. He was, he was the catalyst for me to hire you. Yep. You two are the only ones that didn't X-ray me right away. Yeah. That's, uh, that's awesome. Cause I love that. Um, because if
1: you're not in pain and you have no clinical indicators now, if they say that like, Hey, we got some things here that indicate that we should send you for X-rays. That's fine. That's fine. But if they're like, Hey, we need to, um, take X-rays because I'd rather not guess. That's just wrong. That's, uh, it's it's archaic. Yeah. it's, it's uh, the old guard, yeah. as we say.
0: Everything you've told me to this point in the podcast, so it just suggests that that's a huge red flag.
1: Yeah, it's huge red flag. Uh, it's it's got to be movement based, and also if they if they try to make it um, fear based, like you can go into a really bad situation where a patient is not doing well, and you can be like, hey, I want you to know that it's pretty serious, yep. but here are your options. And I want you to regard them seriously. Yep. If you don't do anything, this is what can happen. If you, you have these options, if you want to do something about it. Okay. But if they're coming in and they're like, Hey, if you don't come in and see me three times a week for the next four weeks, yeah, um, you are going to, I don't even, I honestly haven't spent time in those yeah. circles for so long. I don't even remember what they say. Dude, people can't afford that. I agree, and they they'll they'll put in the packages or memberships, which I'm yeah. not against packages or memberships no. or treatment plans. Is that yeah. what they call them? Yeah, um, to help people afford them, but some of them are outrageous. Okay. Um, I guess another thing. This is <laughs> this is the one I'm probably going to get shot at. Um, <laughs> if they use the word subluxation. Okay.
0: Okay. I don't know what that. That's
1: means. a very chiropractic specific term. Ah, uh, I got it. Um, in the medical field, it means much different than the uh, chiropractic field. Yeah. If they're using subluxation in its term of um, a bone out of place, okay. then they're not. The, I would say no. Okay. If they're using subluxation as a term to pin down what may be going on in the body, okay. perfectly fine with that. But if it's bone out of place, if they if they say anything of like, your bones are not yeah, I guess in place. Um, and we need to put them back. Red flag.
0: Fascinating. Yep. I've had athletes tell me before, like that their chiropractor said something along those.
1: Absolutely. And, um, I'm in the past, I have been pretty lenient on the mindset of telling patients like, Hey, we need to put this back in place. Um, but I've just, over time I've been like, that is just It creates a mindset of fear in the patient, because if your bones can move out of place that easily, then they're less likely to do activity.
0: Oh, yeah. And then that's when we get back into the conversation earlier about like mental traumas and not wanting to move and things like that.
1: Fascinating. Everything that I want you to do is continue moving. Fascinating. If anything inhibits you from that mindset, I'm going to take it out of my my verbiage,
0: my philosophy, everything. Hugh, that's absolutely fascinating. I knew we were going to come on and kill this podcast. I love this. Yeah, yeah, we gave the people some really good value here. This is a great conversation. People are going to absolutely love it. Uh, Where can they find you on Instagram? And if someone wants to schedule with you, how would they do that?
1: Okay, you can find me on Instagram at August Chiropractic. And then if you want to schedule with me, simple. It's just AugustChiropractic.com. You go there. I made it simple for anyone to schedule. If you're in the Austin area, travel to the Austin area, please come see me. Or if you have any questions, reach out. Reach out. Feel yeah. free to email me at hugh at
0: Dude, that's easy peasy. I can't wait to have you back on the chat some more. Let's get you on uh, with your buddy. Let's get you guys both in oh, here. Oh, man, you're going to love yeah. him. Yeah, that would be absolutely phenomenal. So it sounds like well, the Grow Die podcast will be seeing you again soon. I love that. Awesome. Until next time, you guys, leave us a five-star rating and review. Share us with your friends. Subscribe to the YouTube. We will see you soon.